You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to another edition of Mile High Report Radio. Uh, It's been a while. The last time you heard Ian and I speak to you, we had a special guest, and we just couldn't figure out a way to top it, so we guess we took some unexpected time off. I mean, we really didn't plan to be gone this long, but uh, since we've been gone, a a lot of things have happened. We'll we'll do a little recapping, but we're getting closer to the beginning of the season, and, and things have... Things are starting to shape up for the Broncos. It's just we're we're just alone. There's no Steve Atwater this week, or is there? No, there's no uh, Steve Atwater this no, time around. Not, not this time around. As much around. as that makes you sad, it does. It do, look that was a highlight, right? I think everybody knows. Even the old man was like, "You were fanboying a little bit there." If once once my dad tells me I'm fanboying, that that's how I know I maybe needed to tone it down just an ooch. And now we're just going to plop it out there and expect it to perform. Yes, we are. That's early. What is that, a minute? One minute in? Minute in. Okay, got it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right, well, let's let's get into some of the things that have happened. So the last time we spoke, they were the, the Broncos were getting ready to uh, play for the play against the Bears. And uh, since then, they, they lost to the Bears, I guess, but the starters were winning, right? Can we say that? I, I always feel like when you're looking at preseason games – if the if you're winning when the starters go out, then then you won the game. So they beat the Bears. That's fine. And but, they were winning when the backups went in. Exactly. But then when the backups backups went in, they lost. They lost. So fine. And Whatever. they lost because of Paxton Lynch. So Chad Kelly is flaming garbage. <laughs> Just gonna pound on him here. All right, look, Chad Kelly has supplanted Paxton Lynch as the backup. Um Janet Elway has supplanted Paxton Lynch on the depth chart. Ooh, that's just not nice. I mean, it's it's accurate, but it's not nice. I think it's interesting, and I, I'll give a. I'm, I guess, do I need to eat crow? Should we eat crow on this? I mean, what do we? You can, because you're the one. I, I I said I'm not going to say anything about Chad Kelly because of what happened with Trevor Simeon. And no, 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 no. voila. Here we are. But wait a minute. Last year, now last season, as I recall, I believe we both sort of talked about him being a seventh round draft pick for a reason, and and that you know he's not going to be the starter, and he's he's not the future. I still don't think he's the future, but he certainly has earned the backup role, and so I'll give him that. I'm not going to eat crow, but he's earned the backup role. I'll, I'll give him the backup role. That's nice of me to do. I think. I, I it's been fun. I mean, we've said before to to see the swag that he brings to the offense after the absolute derp that we have seen from the offense and from the quarterback position the last two years, it's fun. It's fun to see a guy come in and love to play the game of football, want to play the game of football. And you can't say that about the guys who were at that position the last two years. And that that's what makes it fun. That's a good point. And I, honestly, it's kind of interesting, even with Case Keenum out on the field, who you know is the starter, you know it's his team, 
he doesn't even play with that same fire. He's got more of an even keelness to him. I think that's sort of sort of the veteran in him, been around the block, not going to get too excited about preseason. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of fire from Keenum until later in the season or at least until the season really starts. But but Chad Kelly has been kind of the what what would you call him? Like the, almost like the high point of the preseason just because he's been so like you said, he's been so exciting to watch that you you kind of get excited when he goes out onto the field. I, I I do disagree with you because I think the highlight of this preseason has been the performance of the rookies because they have carried over what they did in training camp. Since training camp started, they've carried it over to the preseason games. And it's to the point now where everyone's asking, how the hell did Elway basically hit on every pick in this draft? Because Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, Royce Freeman, Josie Jewell, Deshaun Hamilton, even Dave Williams to an extent, Isaac Yadam to an extent. Mm. I, I mean, it's it, it is Josie Jewell. I mean, it's remarkable that they've been able to carry over what they did in rookie minicamp and then mandatory minicamp, carried it over to training camp, carry over from what they did in training camp to the first preseason game, second preseason game third preseason game to me that's been the highlight of the preseason has been what Royce Freeman and Cortland Sutton and Chubb mainly what Sutton and Freeman have been able to do because both of them could arguably be starters Royce Freeman is your starting running back and if he isn't the starting running back what the hell is going on in Vance Joseph's mind (laughs) well or John Elway's. Who knows? Who knows, right? No, I so think you, I, you make a good I think, point. And I think the offense, what it showed against Washington, that highlights what this offense can potentially do because you saw an offense that used a combination of the pass and the run. And we haven't seen that even in the Super Bowl years that they were able to do that. I mean, I, I said on the show that I do on Saturday mornings now, that's the best the offense has looked since the Green Bay Packers game in the Super Bowl year. Yeah, no, you, you make a really good point there. That's absolutely true. And, you know, the the other thing that I will add to your drafted rookies is your undrafted rookies, your Philip Lindsay's and your Holland, your Jeff Hollins. Those guys have been huge contributors as well. And I, I think we're going to see a heavy dose of those those guys they're making the team. Absolutely. You, you know, I think that's Absolutely. one of the things. There, there was a lot of talent in, in this draft that John Elway brought in, but there was also a lot of talent that didn't get drafted that John Elway went out and got. And that, to me, is just as impressive. You know, you think about the guys who have been great undrafted players for the Broncos. You don't have to go very far with Chris Harris Jr. I, I think you're going to get two more this year. I think Philip Lindsay has an opportunity to be really, really good and sort of fill some some roles that, okay, kick returner I think is one that he can fill that maybe you don't think of, but that's a good one. But he's also going to be your whatever back. He's going to be the guy that comes in on third down and you know scats out and you know plays gets the screen and takes it for twelve yards. He's going to be the guy that takes a, a shot over the middle and, and takes it to the house that kind of thing. And then your Jeff Hollins of the world, they're, they're just depth. I mean, the, the depth that the Broncos have at that position 
is huge. And that's those are rookies. Those are guys that weren't drafted, but they're rookies. I think you're right. The rookies are a huge one. And you bring up the preseason game against the Redskins. They won that preseason game, and that's the one you're supposed to win. That third preseason game is the one that is the most like what you're going to do in the regular season. And if that's what they're going to look like, even in some of those vanilla sets, not so bad. Not so bad. The thing I like about Philip Lindsay is he's going to he he has the ability to be a returner. He's shown that capability. He's going to be your whatever back, your scat back, whatever you want to call him. The thing that impresses me most about Philip Lindsay is he's a gunner on special teams on top of it. And when he made a tackle in that Bears game, after the game when you watch the interview or you or you read what he said, that's what got him more fired up than anything he did as a running back, as a receiver, or as a returner. That we've talked about it ad nauseum on our podcast about how if you want to if you want to stand out, if you want to make your name jump off the page to coaches, you do what he did on special teams against the Bears and being a gunner. And think about it. The last time we saw a late-rounded draft pick running back for the Broncos do that was Terrell Davis because it shows that they want to do whatever it takes for the football team. And that's what Philip Lindsay did. And Jeff Holland, as you said, it just makes that pass rush even I mean, scarier. unblockable. <laughs> and I, I, Who do you I, game plan for? I will forever – promote the orange rush on this podcast because it's a hell of a shirt, but it's also a hell of a name. The orange rush. It's the modern version of the orange crush. And it's, I mean, it's got some serious potential. I, it's it's just all there is to it. There is a ton of potential there. The the rookies look good. The defense, I, I, I don't want to get too excited. I feel like after the last few seasons of Broncos football, my excitement is somewhat tempered just because because of the failings of the of the franchise really but when you look at the performance of these rookies and and I love the fact that you led with Royce Freeman and Cortland Sutton their their talent is incredible but the other guy who you didn't mention I mean you mentioned him in passing I think was was Deshaun Hamilton watching him run routes his route running ability is impressive like he's just where he's supposed to be every time and that, to me, is a quarterback's best friend. That's something that, uh, you know, Case Keenum will, can lean on that. And so you've got Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, you're sort of your staples. But then you've also got these two young guys who are going to impact the offense. I think it's okay to be excited right now. I think it's more than okay because what we saw against the Redskins is what we've seen – throughout the course of training camp. That's what the offense has looked like in practice over the course of the two weeks at training camp, and they finally did it in an actual game, and that's what's exciting. And the other aspect that you have to talk about with this team and that third preseason game is the performance of the offensive line, and they did it without their starting left guard. Even with Max Garcia, and we've – Railed on Max Garcia on this podcast, but he to put looks it lightly, like, he he looks like a different player, and I think a, a large a large part of that is the coaching that he's getting now. 
But when you add Ronald Leary back to that offensive line, seeing what they did against the Redskins, that should make you even more excited. And I, I wrote a story, I think it was after the first week of training camp. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned a term that has not even been mentioned even in the Super Bowl years, and that's complementary football. We saw complementary football against the Washington Redskins. Absolutely. And that's that's what's exciting. And then on top of all of that, one of the most consistent aspects of this football team over the preseason, the three games, has been the special teams. Not just Marquette King, but the coverage, the kickoff coverage, the punt coverage has been incredible. And that all goes to Tom McMahon, the new special teams coordinator. He doesn't need 22 Janos. I mean, again, we would all love to have 22 Janos, but that's not really a thing. You know, the other guy you didn't mention, but he's been kicking really well, is McManus. Brandon McManus has the gooch. That's right, the gooch. He has been kicking well. He's been accurate. I don't think he's missed this preseason. And so I, I just feel like there's there's something different, right? There's You know how you can feel something different? They seem to have a, a slightly different mindset going into the games, and that's extended all the way through. Uh, I, I, I would love to know if he's been practicing kicking with a drink in his hand and which, which hand it was in. But other than that, I think he's been – He's been a very solid. He's always been a solid kicker. I think he has the potential to be really, really, really good this year. And this is this brings up an interesting question because one of the things that we have both said is what's going to hold this team back is Vance Joseph. And in Tim Lynch's winners losers from the game on on Friday night, he listed Vance Joseph as one of his winners. Did you agree with that? And do you think that there's reason to relinquish our our initial thoughts on Vance Joseph being the hindrance to this season? No. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I understand why Tim listed him as a winner. And I, I don't disagree with that as far as in a preseason setting. It looks like he's got some things turned around. I will reserve judgment on Vance Joseph. Uh, until the regular season, until things are real. Now, I understand that you. this is all about preparation. Everything that's going on uh, with the Broncos right now is about preparation. And so perhaps Vance Joseph has taken what he learned from last year as far as being just an awful head coach, and we are seeing a little bit of a turnaround. But until until you see some consistency in the regular season – I'm not willing to to step back from that uh, I don't need to see Vance Joseph on the sidelines mantra. Uh, I, I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope that that changes, and I, I'm willing to stay open-minded about it. But as of right now, and I'll go back to something that Lori said on this podcast um, back at the beginning of the summer uh, when I asked what would be – uh, what would be something that would make you feel comfortable? Where where do the Broncos have to be to make you comfortable with Vance Joseph? And she said, that's not possible, essentially. that's That was the point she made. And I, I believe she probably said it somewhat in jest. But the fact is, he's got a big he, he's he's got a big hill to climb with fans, right? That's what I am. I'm a fan. And until he 
uh, comes out and makes some decisions and doesn't just look like the meme, right? You always say he's the meme coach, and he is. Until he's more than that, I, I will reserve judgment. I- I'm-, I'm happy for him that things have gone well uh, in preseason. I think that the team is better. I think that he's a year on. And and I'm, believe me, as someone who knows what it's like to, to start a job for the first time and need the ability to grow – I get it, and maybe he will grow into a great head coach. I mean, look at Bill Belichick and what he was when he started and now who Bill Belichick is. Now, I'm in no way saying that Vance Joseph is going to be Bill Belichick, but I do do understand that people need time to grow in their jobs. But until he actually shows some growth in the regular season, I'm just going to wait. That's all. I'm just going to wait. I think the thing that fans need to see – and I've used this with rookies when they have success. And it's the same with Vance Joseph going into a second season. What happens when some adversity hits? When they hit some adversity, what does he do? How does he respond? How does he react? Because that will let everyone know if Vance Joseph is going to be what this team needs. And until we see that, there's no way to answer that question. It doesn't matter what he says to the media, which I think he struggles with on a daily basis because it it really seems like it's trying to pull teeth. He's just I, not good at it. He's not good at it. And I, I, I get that he needs to do it, but it would probably be better if they didn't. <laughs> but until, until this team hits some adversity in the regular season, and it will hit, it happens for every team, we're not going to know the answer to that question and color me skeptical because I, I cannot get that sight or that taste or that feeling out of my bones that I witnessed on that Miami Sunday it sticks with you. I agree. I agree. You know, and it's one of those things where the Broncos faced adversity last year and they didn't do a very good job with it. Now, was that a product of having Trevor Simeon as your starting quarterback, and then it was Paxton Lynch, and it was Brock Osweiler, and it was such an abysmal quarterback situation that you should just take that, uh, you know, take that first season for Vance Joseph and throw it away. Do we even count it? I think you should count it because he still didn't put the rest of the team in a position to win. He still didn't do anything for the rest of the team. You, you, they were still running Isaiah McKenzie out there to field punts when he clearly wasn't ready to be out there to field punts. They were still making huge mistakes on offense. They were still, nothing changed. It was like they did the same thing week in and week out, no matter what. And and to me, that was the biggest failure for that team, was that they never changed anything. And, and it's like the old saying goes, uh, you know, the, the greatest sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. It just doesn't work that way. Now, the hope is going into season two, he understands that, and he's willing to adjust. When you can't make adjustments, that's when you are not long for the league. And this will be the year that he will be able to prove that he can make adjustments, or he will lose his opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. And I think that's when you talk about how you have your excitement tempered a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think most fans have that feeling because of Vance Joseph. They have this feeling that I want to be excited. I want to be excited about this team, about this offense, about the defense, about the special teams. But 
there's still that sense that Vance Joseph is still the head coach. And until that adversity happens and he responds to it in a different way, that excitement is going to be tempered. And I, and I feel the same way. I want to be excited about this team. I want to be excited about the offense and especially how it looked on, on Friday against the Redskins and the offensive line and Royce Freeman and Cortland Sutton and the other rookies, the orange rush, the mile high swag of Marquette King, the swag Chelly, which is a new shirt. Oh, you yeah. should get it. You should check it out. The swag Chelly shirt. Uh, I mean, he, he won the backup job, so he won the opportunity to have a T-shirt. We we got him a T-shirt. More swag, Chelly. More. But there's still Vance Joseph, and yeah. that you weigh I, all. Yeah. The, you have all these reasons to be excited, but then you have this one that's still there. It's it's like that that sweat stain on your shirt that no matter how hard you try to rub it out. It's still, still there. there. Yeah, it's still there. And it, it's no matter how much of Billy Mays's OxyClean you use, it's still there. Well, that's because Billy Mays is dead. So he, the OxyClean isn't as good as it once was because it doesn't have that special Bill Mays, you know, stuff. It's somebody else's stuff. And so it's just not as good. I don't want Billy Mays's stuff. Well, you can't have it. He's dead. Wow. I got dark. I'm sorry. He's a, that was really he dark. Didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He was a. I'm sure he was a real nice guy. Sold us things, and whatnot. He wanted to be Ron Popeil, but didn't last that long. No, Ron is Ron Popeil still alive? I don't know. He was I an actual an inventor, though, right? Like Ron Popeil invented things. He didn't just sell his the crap. food dehydrate. That's right. Or he had the rotisserie. Remember the rotisserie? He loved that. And he did the the spray-on thing with the the bald spot stuff. You can spray hair on your head. <laughs> which is Is just, that the same stuff that turned into Flex Seal? It might it might have been different guy, but same substance probably. It's Flex Seal. We can make wow, boats float. What, what is going on? Rabbit hole about infomercials. Yeah, let's go back to football. Are there let's, still infomercials on TV? I, they, there have to be. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Check out like Saturday mornings at like 11.30. I guarantee there's an infomercial on somewhere. What about the thigh master? Neither Remember a thigh. Yeah, neither a thigh nor a master. Discuss. <laughs> just, I'll never forget that. All right. Okay, football. Can we do – let's do football. Let's go back to football. You mentioned – okay, I got to ask you about this. You mentioned something, and I missed it. And, and so may, maybe I'm missing out on something, but I've been kind of busy uh, over the weekend. It was my birthday weekend. I had two fantasy football drafts. I was golfing. I was a very busy guy. You mentioned that there are people out there, and after we just had the conversation we had about rookies, there are people out there who are uh, they're down on Chubb. Don't you think it's too early to be down on Chubb? I don't know how you can be down on Chubb. This is a fan base... That should love Chubb. The more Chubb, Chubb, the merrier. When Chubb pops up, you get excited. You should. When you see a Chubb, yeah. you should get excited. I mean, there was the, the Chubb safety. Chubb had a safety that was cool. He's been, he's been wrecking the the the. the I, I don't know. Like I'm. What is there to be down on Chubb? Why are people down on Chubb? These people who you. 
who you are saying are out there that are not happy with with Chubb. Why? I, I, I don't get it. I mean, there is a play, there is a running play. And he was going, and Chubb was going against Trent Williams, who's one of the best left tackles in football. Sure. But this was a person who said that Chubb got owned on the play. And John Ledyard, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal evaluator, especially when it comes to, to film analysis and stuff like that. He asked the question, what did Chubb do wrong on this play? Because in his mind, Chubb played it perfectly. And when you watch it, he did. He cut the edge and forced the running back to move back in. Now, it, it was his job to get the running back to, to cut back in. I don't know how he could have played that any better. And I get it that there are times that tr- that Chubb doesn't contain the edge as well as he should, and he has his rookie moments like he did against uh, the Vikings in that first preseason game where he had a miscommunication with either Derek Wolf or with Darian Stewart. Yeah. There, but that that happened to Vaughn Miller. Sure. There are going to be times he has his rookie moments. He is still a rookie. But when you look at his final stat line, it was incredibly encouraging for roughly one half of work. He had four tackles, a half a sack, and two quarterback hits. If you plan that out for a full 60-minute game, Chubb would have finished with eight tackles, one sack, and four QB hits. That's a heck of a game. But when you add Chad Chubb's numbers to the rest of the defense on Friday night, you get 12 quarterback hits from eight different players that resulted in three sacks. Rest assured, the Broncos will take that production from the orange rush and not think twice about it. I yeah. mean, I, I, I think with where he was drafted at number five, I think people wanted the Broncos to draft a quarterback. So now they're going to want perfection. Sure. And if he has any any moment where he doesn't look like Von Miller right now, not Von Miller from when Von Miller was a rookie, but Von Miller now, they're going to jump on it. And I think those people listen too much to a guy on 104.3 FM who thought that they were going to get a quarterback, but instead they went with a, a much better draft selection because as we've said, when a Chubb falls to you at number five, you grab it, you grab it, you grab that Chubb, you grab that Chubb. You just do it. You should not be going down on Chubb right now. It's just, you hug, you not only grab that Chubb, you hug it. You grab a hold of it and never let go. You just you grip it tight, grip that chub. It's I, here's the thing. I think I will say I this. just got dirty looks from my wife. By well, the way. you deserved them. If my wife had been watching, she probably would have hit me with something. <laughs> and we we deserve it. But I will say this. It seems to me that there's probably a little bit of that um, unsilent minority people who are willing to come out and say, "Well, you should have done this. You should have done that." Most. I think most fans are pretty happy with with having Bradley Chubb on the team and what he's done in the preseason and are excited for what he brings to the Broncos' future, which is that orange rush, that 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 pass-rushing uh, defensive line mentality that is going to serve the Broncos well 
for the next four or five seasons. If you think about it, Von Miller is is in at the point of his career where where I mean, let's face it, we've seen the majority of his career, don't you think? I mean, he's played what? I'm trying trying to do the math here. Math is not my strong suit, but he it's eight or not eight years, but it's been a while. It's 2018. Hang on. Carry the one. He. What is he? A seventh seventh year? Wasn't it 2010? He was drafted. Something like yeah, 2010. Okay. So yeah, eight years. Good lord, I'm tired. Um. <laughs> I was told there would be no math. Right. Well, you saw me. I was like counting on my fingers, and I was like, no, that's the wrong year. You can't skip that. Whatever. He's got. He had the At leg least injury. You have enough fingers. That's true. There's one for me. Take that, Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, wow. 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 But that that's a great disclaimer. Don't play with fireworks. Don't play with fireworks because then you can't count to eight. He's halfway done, right? Von Miller's halfway done with his career. Now you get, if if we're lucky, 12 years of, of Bradley Chubb. That's That's awesome. What are people complaining about? If he's going to be what everybody has projected him to be, there's nothing to complain about. At least not yet. Let's wait until he falters. And let's not forget, Von Miller went through his growing pains. Von Miller had his issues as well. He's still one of the best defensive players I've ever seen. So, And you've seen Carl Mecklenburg and Simon Fletcher and Derek Thomas and Lawrence Taylor and Champ Bailey and Louis Wright and Randy Gratishar on film. Yeah, I mean, I have Steve Atwater. I mean, Dennis Smith, Mike Singletary. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen a lot of very, very Ray Lewis. As much as I hate to say that, Ed Reed, who should have been a Denver Bronco. <laughs> does that that one? That's Brant Nobler. Does that one bothers a lot of people? Yeah, Brant doesn't like that one. Shout out to Brant, but maybe not a shout out he really wanted there, right? <laughs> Sorry, Brant. By the way, I saw him last week. Oh yeah! If you get the chance to see him live, do so. He's hilarious. I'm telling you, man. I, I wish I would. I wish I'd been able to go, but I live a thousand miles away, so it would have been a long drive. I probably would have been late to work the next day. It was just, it couldn't have made it. I couldn't have swung it. But uh, I forgot my point at this point. Other than the fact, oh, Von Miller's don't go down on Chubb this just, early. Just yeah, you shouldn't be going down on Chubb too early. Oh, you got the look. I could tell it you got the look again. again. Yeah, happened again. All right. We'll stop with that. Uh, another another we'll big jokes. <laughs> That's right. No more chub jokes for the rest of the podcast. Uh, we we do have to talk about a little news. Adam Pacman Jones is he going by Pacman or is it just Adam Jones? Please don't call me Pacman anymore. What what is? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, he's signed with the Denver Broncos, and there are some people who are not happy about that. Which I, again, I think is another one where I just I it's a it's a head scratcher. I don't get it. I understand. It's a depth signing. It's yeah. not like he's expected to replace Aqib Talib, who, well, by the way, shot himself. Yeah, I, it, all of Aqib Talib's antics are hilarious. Everything that that Adam Pacman Jones has done is the end of the world. How could the Broncos sign him? I, you can't right. have it he's both on, ways. He's on the same level as Ray Carruth or OJ Simpson. Ooh. Yeah, those are some those are some interesting names to throw around. Ray Carruth in a in a Colorado area there. That's uh ooh, that's not a not a pretty that's not a pretty one. If if you don't know Ray Caruth, I do not advise you to look it up. Like it'll just don't. ruin it'll just ruin your day. Just leave it alone. But 
I don't have a problem with the the Adam Jones signing. I think he's got a, a chance to make the team and and add, like you said, add depth. He can return punts if necessary. He can play nickel and dime. He's not going to be. He's he's not a keep to leave, and he's not replacing a keep to leave. And it's silly for people to be thinking that that's why they're signing him. They've got injuries. They've got you know your Tremaine Brock is has not really been able to get out on the field. Sua Cravens not able to get out on the field. You got young guys like Langley and and Yadam who just just aren't ready, right? Why not go get a guy like Adam Jones? Get some depth, get some veteran experience out there. It, it seems like a pretty good mix. And I think the main thing, the reason they went with Adam Jones is because of the connection to Vance Joseph. And I said that when the move was announced, is the reason that they went with Adam Jones is the connection between Vance Joseph and Adam Jones. The two of them know each other. They've, they have a relationship. They have a connection. Jones called Joseph like his older brother after practice on, on Monday. So that's the main reason this happened. And two years ago, Adam Jones was still one of the best quarterbacks in football. I get last year he struggled, but he was also hurt. And the Bengals were not very good. And I think if you put him in a role where he's not on the field all the time, he's not going against the offense's number one or number two receiver, he's in the nickel or dime, he's the third cornerback or fourth, he can absolutely do that role. And I think he can thrive in that role. And I think he's also there as a returner because he's shown that he can do it and you, you want to have that security blanket in case Isaiah McKenzie gets the yips again. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I just find it funny. The other thing that I'm sitting here thinking about, I'm listening to you talk about things, and, and the thing that sort of pops into my head, and, and as fans we have this advantage where everything can be perfect, right? And that's what we want. And we know how to make it perfect. Like we're, I'm the greatest GM in the history of the NFL up inside my brain. But I also don't have to factor in all of the real-world stuff, right? All of the things that happen like, oh, there's 31 other teams that you have to contend with for these players. And not everybody's going to stay healthy. And the you know the things that, that happen contract-wise and players that hold out. and the, I mean, there's, there's so many variables that it, it's fine. We can certainly talk like the world is perfect, but it's not. And so, you know, you I guess fans sort of just want everything to fall exactly the way they want it to fall. And it just doesn't happen that way. And like you said, Adam Jones is a, is a pretty good security blanket. That's not a terrible signing considering two years ago, he was one of the best in the league at cornerback. I I know there's a little fall off, but as a veteran presence, I think that with the way that he's turned his career around a little bit and his attitude around a little bit, I, I don't know what people are upset about. I, I, I just think it's silly. And I just chill out. <laughs> just chill out. It's like you don't have to be upset about it. And I'm believe me, I'm the type of person that looks for every little thing to complain about. Just don't worry about it. It's it's all right, okay? Steve Atwater told me the last time we did this that it was gonna be okay, and I believe him. So I'm much I'm much more relaxed now. And you can always take what a player says in his first news conference. You can be skeptical. You can you can be jaded with it. But 
Adam Jones absolutely said all of the right things on Monday after practice. And I'm, I'll read a couple of them on his relationship with head coach Vance Joseph. VJ has been more of a big brother and a been more of a big brother and a coach to me. He's called and checked in on me over the years since he left Cincinnati. We've kept in touch. I have great respect for the guy. He's almost like big brother, father figure to me. I have a lot of respect for VJ. On playing this late in his career, God has blessed me with so many opportunities. I'm one of the ones who don't mind telling kids and people about my about about my stories, the mistakes I've made. I don't have a shield. My life is a glass house. There's nothing that I'm hiding from anybody, and I have three beautiful kids. That's what life is about for me now. I'm about to turn 35, and the best thing I can do right now is at least win a playoff game. I haven't won a playoff game, and I've been in the league 12 years. I'm just trying to win a playoff game and help these guys as much as I can. We have a talented group of guys here in the backfield and all around the team. I'm not here to try to make to take to take any shine. I promise you guys that. I'm here to help and lead in the best way I can. And the last one, on why he chose to sign with the Broncos. Why not Denver? If you want to win, this is the place to be. Great coaching staff, great owner, great locker room, good team. I don't see any reason why not. And the other thing I think that Jones adds to the mix is he kind of he brings that same attitude that Akib Talib brings. He brings that that no fly zone mantra that you're not going to get anything on us. No, I, I mean you read all of that, and all I could think was run the man out of town. No, it's like it's it's sort of crazy. But you did bring up something interesting there at the end with the no fly zone. I don't think Denver's playing to the no fly zone like they have in the past. I think the defense is going to rely so much on getting to the quarterback. You're going to see more zone coverages. You're going to see, you know, more passing guys off. I think Chris Harris is going to probably shadow whoever the best receiver is on every team that that the Broncos face, but for the most part, you're not going to see the same uh defensive scheme in the secondary. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I I understand that we look at Wade Phillips sort of longingly and and why is he gone? But we also have to recognize that personnel has changed. And so the Broncos have to adjust what they do to the personnel they have on the field. And if it's now, if it's let's get to the quarterback before he can even throw the ball, we don't have to worry as much about what's going on in the secondary. I, I'm okay with that. And I think that Adam Jones is probably a part of that as well. So, you know, yes, it's, He's a little bit long in the tooth. I get it. He's almost as old as I am. That's fine. But he said something at the end, and I think it's going to lead me to uh, the next thing that I really want to talk about that we didn't talk about before we started this. Uh, It's that winning mentality that you get in Denver. And that comes from somewhere very specific. It comes from Pat Bowen. And we haven't talked about it. We didn't. You and I. Before we started, didn't even mention it. But the when you were talking about that and the things that Adam Jones was saying, the one thing that popped into my head was because of Pat Bowlen. That's what Pat Bowlen put together. And so um, I think we should talk a little bit about just how excited we are that 
the Hall of Fame seems to be finally getting this correct and that it is pretty likely that Pat Bolin is going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's late, and you know how I feel about the Hall of Fame. I think it's the worst museum in the world because it's not very accurate, but this will help its credibility if Pat Bolin does, in fact, get a bust, uh, get a jacket, and is enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I, I think the moment that it was announced, it was just a sigh of relief because as I wrote in my story when it was announced, even in our Slack, in our in our staff chat room, it was, well, what do we do when they F it up again? Right. <laughs> so it was it was just nice that they didn't, that the five contributors on the committee or the, the five members of the contributors committee got it right. And regardless of whether it should have happened two years ago or 10 or whatever, as, as Andrew Mason said, just for one dadgam second, put it aside and be happy that it finally is going to happen. And that's what it's about. I mean, and when you also consider the fact that champ Bailey is going to be up for consideration and he better be, a first ballot Hall of Famer because he is one of the best to ever play the quarterback position. You're going to get two Broncos to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that's special because there's so few Broncos in the Hall of Fame. The fact that you can add two basically almost doubles what they already have. It absolutely does. You make a great point. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the way we were in Slack. It was it was funny because we went from that um, sort of, I would say, angry, pissed off feeling about Randy Gratishar because he was passed over again, sort of inexplicably. And I even For had another some, chief. I know, and I I even had some some interaction with some of the guys that were in that room who said that he was a Hall of Famer, but didn't say that he was going to go into the Hall of Fame. I'm I'm not sure how that works, Ira, but maybe you can let me know at some point because I did ask the question. Um, you, you know. That was that was a frustrating moment, just because we as as Bronco lifelong Bronco fans and and historians and people who love the history of the game, uh, you know, we know that he's a Hall of Famer and more than deserving. But they screwed it up again, and so it was almost as if heading into the contributors, it was like, well, th- there's no way they're going to get this right, right? I was dejected before I needed to be dejected, and then they got it right. And everything was okay, and and so I just like just like Mace said, let's just enjoy it. Let's uh, let's be glad that the league is recognizing the contribution of Pat Bolin to the NFL uh, because he's meant a lot to the city of Denver. He's meant a lot to Broncos country in general, and so uh, let's just feel good about it and, and not worry about pointing the finger and saying, "Well, you should have done this or you should have done that." That that's just. Let's let's save that for another day. And and I think you're right. It'll be cool to see Pat Bolin go into the Hall of Fame, especially if Champ Bailey is also there and able to go in alongside him. The thing that made that moment more special is the last time we did a podcast, we had the guy who told Pat Bolin that he was going into the Hall of Fame. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, that podcast yet, do it. Because that moment alone where Steve talks about Mr. B 
and what he meant to him. And the moment, at least at that point, was the last time that he saw Pat Bowen and he describes what happened is something that I won't ever forget because you could see it and you could hear it, how much Mr. Bowen meant to still means to Steve Atwater. And that's the second time that I've been able to experience that. And to know that he was the one who told Mr. B that he was going into the hall of fame and Mr. B responded with a smile. I mean, it means a lot. That's a, that's a, a special, that's a special moment. And the fact that he was able to do that, especially when you listen to that podcast, you know how much it meant to both of them. Absolutely. You know, I, yeah, I tweeted it out. If you, if you're absolutely right, if you get a chance to listen to that, just having that experience as a fan to, to sit down and talk to Steve, but then to experience his, his affection for Pat Bowen and his, uh, I mean, he talked about being cut by the franchise and, and not being angry and, and, and going and, and thanking Mr. Bowlin and, and, and thanking Mr. Shanahan. You know, it was that whole, that whole thing about how much he loved being in Denver and, and was so appreciative of the opportunity. And now he's, uh, he's, he's back with the Broncos in a, in a way that sort of has him out in front. But it was sort of that cool moment where I was really happy for Steve that he was the one who was able to go and do that. That seemed like it would be something that, after having spoken with him, would have been important to him to be able to do that. And, you know, that, that to me is, was, I, mean, I, I can't even describe the feeling that he must have had uh, just knowing how happy I am for Steve that he was able to be the messenger there because that's very cool. And I, it brings up an interesting point. I mean, a lot of the commenters, at least in the story when it was announced, were talking about who could potentially present him. And I think it should be all the guys who should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It should be Randy Gratishar. It should be Louis Wright. It should be Tom Jackson. It should be Carl Mecklenburg. It should be Simon Fletcher. It should be Steve Atwater. It should be Rod Smith. It should be Tom Nalen. It should be Jason Elam. All those guys should be up on the stage and should present Mr. Bolin into the Hall of Fame. And, of course, John Elway will be there. And, and Shannon Sharp. And, and Terrell, Terrell Davis. Davis. Floyd Little should be there, even though it, he was before Mr. Bolin's time. But Well, and I think it's interesting. I, I, I asked Steve this as well. I said I asked Steve about the connection to the franchise, and did, did he think other franchises had that same uh, sort of connection with um, their players? And, and he said, you know, he couldn't speak to, uh, you know, what other franchises did. But uh, he knew that being a Bronco was – one of the greatest things that could have ever happened to him. And to hear him tell some of those stories was phenomenal. And then to know that 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 sort of family that he has with the Denver Broncos and those guys that you mentioned just now, uh, to me, I think you make a really good point that those are, those are the people who should stand on that stage and present Mr. Bolin and really, in a way, present the Denver Broncos. Uh, to me, that's what that is. And that's what Mr. B would want. I think you've made the point many times that uh, Pat Bolin wouldn't really want it to be about Pat Bolin. He would want it to be about the men that you just mentioned, the the people you just talked about being the franchise, right? The players were who were important to him. 
Not him. Not what he did. What he did behind the scenes, there's a reason Jerry Jones was able to sell himself as the the best owner or whatever because he sold himself. Pat Bolin never did that. And he wouldn't do that in this ceremony either. He would want those guys to be the ones being honored, and that would be a great way to do that. And it would be a great way to honor Pat Bolin's legacy in the league and with the Denver Broncos. Totally agree. It would be the best way to honor him and honor the Broncos. And then you'd have Champ Bailey. Man, road trip. <laughs> that will have to be a Canton road trip. I mean, I I think it's something we need to start. Listen, Broncos country, Pat Bowen's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Get in your cars. Let's go. We'll all meet out there. We'll we'll stay in a hotel. We'll just we'll just we'll just party it party it up, you guys. I'm bringing the wine coolers. How about that? Little little Bartles and James. Let's get her done. Get her done. <laughs> uh, I've I've I don't I've never actually had Bartles and James. You ever had Bartles and James? Oh yeah, they're really good. Are they? Because I've never had one. To be they honest, are very good. never have. I've done the Mike's or Heart Lemonade. We could make we could make our own like white trash wine coolers by taking Zima and putting Jolly Ranchers in them. Done. Let's do that. Zima is made in Colorado, people. Let's get that. Let's do it. Ugh, I hated Zima. The one Zima I ever had, I didn't enjoy it. It's like a rotten Sprite. That's the way I, I described it. Pretty accurate. So, the next thing coming up is the last preseason game. Is there any reason to watch this game? Yeah. Um, I will be curious to see if Paxton Lynch can audition for his next team and entice some foolish franchise to roll the dice and make a trade for him. That's pretty much that's pretty much it. If John Elway can get a trade for Paxton Lynch, you know he got one for Ty Simbrano. Just to say he got one, he for, got one for Trevor Simeon. That's right. He's he has been able to to finagle trades out of out of teams for players that are just as bad. So, I mean, who knows? And if Lynch can go out and, and kind of ball out a little bit and, and show everybody that he's got some talent, uh, you know, and if he's not too distracted to look at the playbook this week, which we know he might be, just saying. He has, he definitely has a, a there, great reason to not be looking at the playbook. There's certainly some distraction there off the field, and I, I don't blame him, but, uh, you know, I understand. So, you know, if he can if he can do that, then maybe he can get himself traded somewhere out of Denver, and then maybe that distraction will go away as well. Because you know, sometimes when you move, focus on the playbook. Yeah, then he'll be able to focus on the playbook, and he'll turn his career around. But uh, that's pretty much the only reason to watch the final preseason game, unless you just want to like watch Von Miller and Demarius Thomas stand around on the sidelines because they you know they like to stand around and and joke and whatnot. Uh, is there any other reason? No, no, that's it. That's all we got. I will say that Andrew Mason had another epic troll of the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes apparently had a great play in the preseason and it was nicknamed the pass. The throw. Was it the, oh, throw? the throw? It was the throw. Well, I, regard, either it way. doesn't matter. Why are you naming a preseason pass? A preseason play. You don't get to do that. As he said, 
usually for moments like that, they're reserved for plays that happened in key postseason games, like the drive or the fumble or the catch. Not for the Chiefs, preseason. You have to do good things in the playoffs to be able to have those moments, and they haven't done it yet or ever. And so... Well, they did. They did in the 60s, and they have a team went to one Super Bowl and now has 10 Hall of Famers in it from it. I'm so mad I can't talk because it's ridiculous. There are 10 members of that Chiefs team in the frickin' Hall of Fame. All right. Deep breaths. Woosa. We'll be okay. We're going to move on because we've... uh, Because, again, let's let's just revel in the fact that Mr. B is going in and and it's well-deserved, and, and maybe that will be the – remember, every time – I feel like every time we do this, every time a Bronco goes in, like every five or six years you get a Bronco, this will be the catalyst. This will be what opens the floodgates. This is this is the time when, when the when the riders will finally start to recognize the Broncos and start putting those, those deserving Broncos into the Hall of Fame, and then it never happens. So maybe with Mr. B and maybe with your suggestion of how he should be presented, that would work. That's a possibility. Not holding my breath. No, I don't think you should. So, uh, in because, the meantime, because I was told by Dave Logan eight years ago when Floyd Little got in that this could be the moment. I can't believe that was eight years ago. You said eight that years ago. And I cannot believe that it was eight years ago. Wow. So I would be dead if I was holding my breath from eight years ago. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. So there it is. There it is. Right there. We are. We're practically out of the preseason. We are almost to real football. We're very excited. We are on to potentially – we're on to cuts, right? That's really the cuts. That's really the next big news. We have have a special guest lined up, and Broncos country is going to absolutely love it. It's going to be a fun one. I might even have to click the explicit box when I post it, but uh, uh, keep your ears perked because we should have a, a pretty fun a pretty fun podcast coming up on the next one. You could say that it might go down the gooch. It could go directly down the gooch. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.